You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Forest Park, Georgia, here at the Farmer's Market. Getting loaded up at my customers normal, as we always do on every Wednesday. Um, got a great, great, it was so nice we did it twice. We got Mr. Chuck Snow is going to be joining us once again. Uh, he'll be joining us again tonight. So uh, if you have any questions whatsoever for Chuck, Go ahead and press number one. We can get your call screen and get you up and get you in line to get your questions answered. If you're not familiar with who Chuck Snow is, he comes and brings a vast amount of knowledge to the uh, share with us. He comes from both ends of the industry. He has a, a fleet of trucks on the asset-based side. So if you got questions about trying to grow your fleet, some different uh, steps and maneuvers, what's the next process in trying to grow your fleet, Chuck can maybe advise you and give you some pointers on how to make that transition a lot smoother and a lot easier. And if you have questions about brokering, anything dealing with brokering whatsoever, Chuck also owns the lar- the oldest brokerage division, the leading brokerage division, traffics up in uh, Canada. So if you got any questions about anything like that, Chuck is a, a wealth of knowledge. You get a chance to pick the brain of a real pro tonight. So ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and press number one if you got any questions for Chuck or myself. Of course, uh, we want to try to expand and improve your uh, trucking knowledge and, and of, of anything dealing with rates and lanes. So if you've got any questions dealing with truck uh, load-to-truck ratios, um, rates in certain specific lanes, anything like that, you can press number one. We can try and get you some information on those as well. But as we normally always do here on the Rates and Lanes podcast, we're going to start off tonight with the USDA Truck Rate Report. And... Um, if you haven't had a chance the opportunity to see this report, go over to um, our Facebook page, Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad on Facebook. We have a, a, a screenshot of a top, the top portion of the report up there, uh, and also the link is right there for your convenience as well. So you can just click on the link, and it'll take you directly to the report. What we like to do here on the Rates and Lanes podcast, we just try to gloss over it really quickly, but uh, the link is there for your convenience for you to go back and be able, if you want to look at more in-depth information. The only caveat and, and word of caution that I give to everyone that looks at this report and, and reads these reports, the rates that they offer on here, you have to kind of take those rates with a grain of salt. Uh, because this is a free report, there's nothing that you really have to pay to get it. Um, the information on there is not really all that great. Uh, they don't do a, uh, the, the U.S. government doesn't do the best job in vetting the information that they receive for this report, uh, but they, it does help as an indicator to target specific areas if you are a in the uh, market for moving uh, fruits and vegetables or any kind any type of produce. That's really the only thing that they really kind of uh, post on. But as far as the rates that the trucks are getting paid, you got to kind of take that with a grain of salt. So what we try to do on this report is just tell you certain areas that you might want to target that are showing some slight shortages where you may be able to uh, get a chance to get some decent rates out of those areas. And right now, the only area that is showing a slight shortage in the United States is southwest Indiana and southeast Illinois. That is the only area that you probably may want to be targeting that's showing a slight shortage of trucks. Uh, we're going to tell you where you want, might want to avoid, and there are quite a few places that you might want to avoid if you are uh, moving fruits and vegetables. These places have a surplus of trucks, which means that they have way more trucks than they than they could use at the, at the present time. Those places are San Luis Valley, Colorado, Texas, Mexico crossing through Texas, Yakima Valley, and Washington State. Those areas that I just listed off all have way more trucks than they have loads for. So you want to avoid those areas. These areas have slight surpluses, which means that they're teetering on the brink of a little bit of, they're a little bit saturated with trucks. So you may still be able to get some freight out there, but the loads and everything, rates are not going to be all that great. You might want to stay away from these areas as well. Or if you're in these areas, you, you kind of know what to expect once you get there. Kern District, California, 
Oxnard District, California, Salinas Watsonville, California, Santa Maria, California, South District, California, Big Lake Central Michigan, uh, Big Lake Central Minnesota, and Central Wisconsin. All of those areas are showing a slight shortage. Anything else that I didn't name off on, on this report, they are all showing an adequate supply of trucks, which means that they, uh, you know, it's, it's at, a, at a neutral point where, you know, it's just enough trucks, just enough freight, not going to see a whole bunch of great movement as far as rates are concerned. There are no areas that are showing a shortage that they need trucks desperately to move the freight in those areas. So uh, just uh, making that as a point of reference, again, you can go check that out. The link is up at the Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad's Facebook page. And with no further ado, we'll get into the DAT trend lines for this week, August 16th through the 22nd. Van and flatbed load availability declined last week, but reefer loads increased. National average rates declined for vans and rates held steady for flatbeds and reefers. Let's jump directly into the demand segment for U.S. vans for the week of August 16th through the 22nd. Load availability declined 2.6% last week. After three consecutive weeks of gains, truck posts edged up 1.1%. The load-to-truck ratio declined 3.7%, but after rounding it, remains at a 1.8 loads per truck nationwide. Load availability failed 25% month over month, equally slow July. While truck capacity held steady, the load-to-truck ratio failed 25% compared to June from 2.4 down to 1.8. Compared to the exceptional trends of July 2014, the ratio for dry vans was down 44%. Moving on into dry van rates for the week of August 16th through the 22nd. Van line haul rates dipped one cent last week to a national average of $1.76 per mile as load-to-truck ratios held steady at 1.8 loads per truck. The national average price for diesel fuel was down $0.06 cents to $2.56 a gallon nationwide on average. The seasonal July low led to a five cent decline in the average van rates compared to June, including a two cent drop in the average fuel surcharge. The total rate of a dollar eighty twenty one cents low the July twenty fourteen average due largely to a twenty cents decline in the fuel surcharge. Quickly checking in across the country, we have rates coming in out of the northeast. Philadelphia is reporting an average rate of a dollar eighty four cents per mile. Coming out of southeastern part of the United States for dry vans, Atlanta is reporting a rate of $1.79 per mile. Coming out of the Midwest, Chicago shows a rate of $1.95 per mile on average for dry vans. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, we are checking in showing a rate coming out of Dallas, Texas at $1.70 per mile. And on the West Coast swing, the City of Angels tops out the uh, National Dry Van Report rates at $2.01 per mile coming out of Los Angeles. Moving right along into the U.S. flatbed demand segment of the DAT report. Flatbed load availability declined 13% last week and capacity added 6.8%. So the national average load-to-truck ratio declined 19%, 10.4%. Uh, loads per truck for flatbeds. Average flatbed rates were unchanged week over week, held steady at $2.07 per mile. Flatbed rate availability lost 34% during the July low and capacity added 11% compared to June. The resulting load to truck ratio dropped from 22.8 down to 13.5. Compared to the atypical market conditions of June 2014, the ratio has declined 63% since that time frame. Moving into U.S. flatbed rates, 
The national average rate for flatbeds held steady at $2.07 per mile last week. The load-to-truck ratio declined 19%, however. Fed rates fell $0.06 in July July compared to June. National average due partially to a $0.02 drop in the average fuel surcharge. Compared to 2014, the total rate has lost $0.29, including a $0.22 decline in the fuel surcharge. Moving across the country, setting the high water mark coming out of the northeast, Harrisburg shows flatbed freight moving at $3.32 per mile. Atlanta, Georgia shows that coming out of the southeastern portion of the United States, an average rate of $2.43 for, dry, uh, for flatbeds. Moving into the Midwest portion of the country, Rock Island shows $2.15 per mile on average. Down into the south central portion of the United States, we show an average of $2.22 per mile. And rounding out the U.S. flatbed rates across the country out of the west coast, we're showing an average rate coming out of Phoenix, Arizona at $1.78 per mile. Moving right along in the U.S. reefer demand segment of the DAT Trend Lines report, reefer load volume increased 4.1% last week, and truck availability remained the same week over week. The resulting load-to-truck ratio rose 4.1% up to 4.7% loads per truck. Reefer rates were unchanged as a national average, and I'll talk a little about it. If you have any questions about these, um, there is some sweet spots to these load-to-truck ratio numbers. And if you have any questions about those, give me a uh, press number one, and we'll try and clear some of that stuff up for you. Uh, even though right now, just to, since we're on reefers, the sweet spot for reefers, you want to see that number. If you're in a market, you'd like to see that number above five. You'd like to see it five loads to truck. That gives you a lot more negotiating uh, leverage when you're negotiating or you're dealing with brokers or whatever, you're dealing on the spot market. If you've got that load-to-truck ratio is up above five or better, you have a pretty good chance of, of, of moving the needle as far as rates are concerned. When it comes to flatbeds, um, I don't do flatbeds, but I asked the guys at DAT about this uh, when I had a chance to meet with them at the um, CMC this past year. And the, the sweet spot for flatbeds, believe it or not, to really get the rates to move, it's like somewhere in the ballpark of like 33 to 1. I thought that was kind of strange. But if that load that, that load to truck ratio was around 33 to 1, then that's when you really can start to see some real movement amongst the rates and flatbeds. And, of course, uh, just really quickly touching back on dry vans, that load to truck ratio for dry vans, if you can get that dry van load to truck ratio up above 3 or better, if it's above 3 or better, you're a little bit better as, as being able to uh, move the needle when the rates are concerned. So just a little indicator, if you're looking at these reports or if you're looking at um, some of the tools by DAT that they offer and you're kind of scratching your head as to why you, you're seeing, you're hearing 4.7 or whatever and you're still not able to get the rate kind of where you really want them to be, that you got to kind of uh, take that factor in, in, and adjust that accordingly. Uh, let me finish up wrapping up this reefer report. Uh, seasonal slowness led to a 24% decline in reefer load availability in July while capacity held steady down 1% compared to June. The load-to-truck ratio fell 23% month-over-month from 5.9 down to 4.5. Compared to the unusual demand of July 2014, the ratio has lost 0.5% since that time frame. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is, well, well uh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. Jumping the gun. Got to give you some reefer rates from across the country. Reefer rates held steady at a national average of $2.04 per mile last week. As load-to-truck ratio for reefers increased 4.1%. Due to seasonal slowness and falling fuel prices, July reefer rates were down $0.08 compared to the previous month, which included $0.01 decreased in the average fuel surcharge. Declining surcharges led to July 2014 rates averaging $0.20 lower than July 2014, but the line haul rates were steady year over year. So moving across the country, starting out up in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checks in showing an average rate for reefers of $1.89 per mile. 
Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Lakeland, Florida, checking in, showing an average rate of $1.30 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, checks in, setting the high water mark for reefers, showing an average rate of reefers at $2.80 per mile. McAllen, Texas, down at the Rio Grande, coming out of the, uh, representing the south central portion of the United States, shows an average rate for reefers at $1.67 per mile. And wrapping up, out on the West Coast, Fresno, California, checks in, showing an average rate of $1.97 per mile. And now, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, that is the uh, that will wrap up the EAP Trend Lines report. I'm trying to move back over to our call screener, and I don't see Chuck in my queue. He was on a little earlier. I don't know if he fell off. Um, so, Chuck, if you're listening, press the number one that can throw you up so I can. Ah, there you go. Let's see if we can get Chuck up here. Chuck, is that you? Yeah, it's me, Rico. All right, all right. I see you had dropped off there for a second. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was going on with you, but I'm glad that you made it back in. And uh, I was able to make it through the crowds of people. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, we got Chuck Snow. He's on live with us. If you got any questions whatsoever for Chuck, go ahead and press number one. Uh, by this time, you ought to know Chuck. He's like I say, he's a great friend of the show. Uh, loves to come on and spend some time with us and just help spread the wealth of knowledge that he possesses and trying to help us little guys get it right and get it better. So, Chuck, we once again, we'd like to thank you for taking time out of your business just, just to come on and share some light on some things for us. Anything new going on in your world up in traffic up there in Canada? Well, Canada's really, uh, Ontario anyway, has really changed since the last time we spoke. Um, you know, it was very, very difficult to get a load out of Ontario at that point, um, the way it's been for a while. And I'm, those that are um, aware of it, the Canadian dollar has fallen uh, tremendously over the last couple of years, especially over the last year with the demise of the oil industry. So what has happened now is that the dollar is weak enough where people are not buying as much product in the States to bring up to Canada. As a result, there is a, a real shortage of trucks that want to go into the States. So we've seen a 180-degree turn since the last time we spoke, which is probably just two or three weeks ago. Um, we're having problems as an industry getting home. Um, you know, especially out of some of the places like California, um, there it's just awful trying to get loads out of there for some of the guys. And loads out of Ontario going into all points in the U.S. are plentiful because people just can't balance out. So, uh, you know, if you uh, if you wait long enough in this business, things turn around. And they keep going back to where they were, and uh, we're heading back to where we were years ago when, you know, we uh, were known as having the northern peso because of the devaluation of the Canadian currency, which is uh, it's really good for manufacturing um, when there's manufacturing left. Unfortunately, a lot of the manufacturing base was dismantled during the last recession when the Canadian dollar got very strong. But we are seeing it come back all of a sudden to some degree unexpectedly um, because we thought more of it was dismantled or uh, we are just so blindsided because there's just nothing coming back. Uh, maybe that's causing the glut of outbound freight, but it's certainly uh, changed an awful lot in the last uh, 14 to 21 days. Kind of interesting. And I'm listening to, I was listening to you do the, uh, the report on freight rates domestically. Some of them are surprising. Even the $1.60 reefer rate out of Florida um, we can't get a dollar sixty a mile. No, no, from no, 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 no. It's showing a dollar thirty out of Florida for real. It's showing a dollar thirty, dollar thirty on okay. average for um, Even the dollar thirty, a lot of times you're not getting that on a reefer load coming back into Canada because there's. Remember, Canadians again are so restricted. We can't pick up that load in Miami. A load of flowers, or let's say there were some greens um, coming back into, let's say Detroit or Indiana. Or, uh, you know, or Kentucky, whatever, on the way home, or New York State, we have to cross the border. And there's a, an awful lot of misconceptions about that. 
and people will say, yes, you can, what we call interstate or cabotage, uh, but trust me, you cannot. Uh, if you get caught, you're in big trouble. It's not worth it. And I tell that to anybody that wants to know my stories because I've seen it happen to people and you can get, you know, you can lose your truck for it. So it's not worth it. So Chuck, given that um, right there, what you just explained about that, maybe uh, you can maybe give some insight to some of the smaller guys that are out here that are running uh, one or two trucks or whatever. Um, maybe you might be able to guys that you see that you guys cannot take advantage of. Maybe, uh, maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that real quick. Well, I think there's, uh, you know, I think in some of those slower areas where freight volumes are down, um, I think what you may have to do, and you, the thing you could take advantage of, is do partial loads uh, domestically. I think there's a big market for that in the USA. I don't think enough little guys are taking advantage of it. And I think that's a place where smaller carriers can take advantage. Like if you're running into Florida this time of year and you're from Buffalo, New York, for example, find, you know, find some partial loads that you can put in. You can start in Florida and then go into Georgia and then go into the Carolinas and build a load as you're going north. And you can start pedaling as, you know, before you even get, um, get anywhere near New York State. And that's something that, you know, we see that there is freight posted partial loads, and we sometimes have problems covering some of those partial loads. And I think there's a great opportunity. The, uh, the larger carriers, your, uh, your Roadway Yellow group, YRC groups and Conways and all the rest of them, what they're after is they want those one, one and two skid orders that weigh seven or 800 pounds. That's, the, that's their goal. Uh, they really do not have any use for 10 skids that weigh 20,000 pounds. Most of them don't want it, especially if it's freight that is high and they can't, uh, can't put anything on top. Um, and that can be gold for the smaller carriers, especially when you're going into those areas like Florida during the middle of the summer that are just, they seem to consume an awful lot of product, but they don't seem to manufacture or produce or grow a whole lot this time of year. I know that there's an awful lot of trucks stuck in uh, parts of California uh, because of the drought and some and parts of the north uh, northwest, the Pacific Northwest. Again, if you're trying to get back east and you've got a dry van or reefer and there's nothing available, rather than sitting at the truck stop for days and not earning revenue, look at that partial load market. You know, you can really clean up, guys. Um, get yourself the, the you know the right equipment you're going to probably need some straps and some bars to be able to secure freight, especially straps. If you've got a trailer that has the uh, logistics posts or e-posts, um, you can certainly secure freight because sometimes you get odd skids and odd crates and things like that. But there's a market, and I think that the, the brokers and the shippers need you. And I think that's something that we haven't talked enough about on this show is the opportunities out there. And you can even do it. Uh, we've been very successful through the years at times, moving partial loads on flatbeds and step decks. There, there's good money in it. So it's just something to consider is an alternative source, uh, alternative source of revenue when times get tight, or maybe even build a business model doing that. Uh, a lot of us have been successful. What about like uh, if you're going to do partials and stuff like that? And, and, and I know with uh, we talked about last time you was on, we mentioned a little bit about the ELDs and everything like that. And with time being such a precious commodity within the trucking industry, if someone decides that they want to do something like that or follow that business, business model, uh, you talked about equipment. I was wondering if you were going to throw in uh, getting yourself a pallet jack uh, and, and so that you can, uh, when it comes to offloading these things, I know from my experience, there are certain places where if you if you go in and you unload it yourself, you can get in and out of there whether versus waiting on uh, dealing with lumpers and all of that type of situation. If you go in there and break the, break the stuff down, uh, you can you can get out in and out really really quickly quickly uh, versus just sitting there and being at the mercy of uh, the poor lumper and, and the and the receiver there on the dock. You got to be able to move. You know, it does not work. It, it's a different mindset, Rico. And you're right. Uh, you're right on that. It's uh, you've got to be able to back up to that dock 
and fend for yourself. If you're waiting for some lumber service, um, especially in this day and age when there's no fooling around with logbooks like there used to be many years ago, uh, more and more of us are going to ELDs, and if we're not, we're, we will be going to them in the future. Uh, start start programming yourself in the way you do business. If you're the sort of individual that can't get it together and you're not the sort of person to break down a skid, uh, maybe physically you can't, then it may not be for you. But you're right. You should have the pallet jack and be ready to, to offload that because the, the whole thing is with moving partial loads, if you're going to make money, you got to hustle. you got to get as many loads on that truck as you can. you got to unload as, as many stops in a day as you can, and you got to maximize your logbook. Again, like I always say, we're selling pages in our logbook, but this is a little bit of an added bonus. And there's a huge market out there for people in our audience to do this. And, you know, sometimes um, what happens is necessity is the mother of invention. And when we're talking about rates of $1.30 and $1.70 a mile, uh, and I, I shake my head, and, and we're all fighting it. The issue being, when I got into this business originally in 1974, the rates were more than that then. And you could buy a brand-new Kenworth W model for about $32,000. And a gallon a gallon of diesel fuel was you know, $0.60 cents a gallon or less. Um, depends where you bought it. And look at how the price has gone up of everything we use. Um, and that extra 30 to 70 cents compared to the dollar that was gold, um, you know, even 30 years ago, it, it doesn't make sense. So we've got to be able to make our own gold. And this is how we can maximize our efficiency, especially in those dead areas. You know, California for a lot of Canadian guys is pretty dead right now. So rather than sit at the truck stop with 500 other trucks and burn diesel fuel trying to stay cool or, you know, having to spend money for a device to cool off your truck, um, what you can do is find two skids out of California and then start rolling east, whether you're Canadian or American, and start building loads. And, you know, it may take you all the way to Nebraska till you get to half, but then you'll start doing it. And I find the real good money is when, you know, in the smaller amounts, but you have to be patient. You know, you can, um, you can really get, if you're good at this, you have no problem getting five quarters into a truckload. Every truckload, every truck out there, you can put five quarters, five quarter loads, because you learn how to turn skids. You may have to stack a couple. Uh, you get some plywood. You get some decking bars. You can be creative. If we're in this for money, let's do it. That's where the money is. The the okay. um, problem is it's a lot of work, but it's the re rewards are well worth it. Okay, so unpack to help unpack that a little bit more, there, Chuck, if you don't mind. When, when it comes down to um, if, you, if someone's moving across the country uh, and, you, and you're saying be patient, what what exactly? Unpack that a little bit more. Maybe uh, give us a little bit more of a scenario, if you could. Well, let's just say that you're sitting in Seattle, Washington. Seattle, Washington's pretty dead right now. Do you agree? Right. Okay. And you're out of New York City, and you want to get home, and there's no freight. Are you going to sit there and just wait and take a, a cheap load and be the 900th guy that day to take a cheap load? And you know, because it's supply and demand, uh, you know, you're going to get that dollar or dollar twenty or dollar thirty a mile and have to wait like a dog for it because there is no freight. It's a supply and demand business. Or do you look around within, let's say, 100 miles of Seattle? and find five skids or two skids heading to Jersey or heading to Illinois or heading somewhere, and then you start building. I've done it myself where, you know, it's taken me three days to build a load in San Francisco in the uh, Bay Area. And I went to, uh, went to warehouses two or three times and got offloaded and got reloaded, and I paid them, you know, 50 or $100 and made more room. And then all of a sudden, so I've, I've, I had I've enough never, money. I've never, 
I've never done that. I've never done that before, and that's why I was asking you to unpack it a little bit more. Because um, if someone's listening in and they're, and they're they're looking at trying to build something like that, how would they navigate negotiating with those when they're picking up those two or three skids or four or five skids as far as the delivery time? Uh, is there a lot more flexibility on getting that on the delivery of those items? Or that's, usually, that's, that's yeah. Good point, Rico. Usually there is because if, you know, if somebody has, let's just say they've got five skids and it's 10,000 pounds, they're, you know, and you're going through a broker, he's pretty happy, or even if you're dealing with a direct shipper, um, if you're in Seattle and it's, um, today is uh, Wednesday and you're, uh, you're loading today, he'll take a, uh, he'll take delivery next Tuesday in New Jersey. He's pretty happy for that. So that gives you a couple of days to to put a load together between, you know, Seattle, Portland, in that area. So you just have to run around and find freight, LTL freight in that area, and then you're going to have to probably, once you have it all, you may have to be organized enough, unless you get real lucky. And you may have to, first of all, you only want palletized freight. Unless you have, you can take a, a, you know, some partial freight that's hand bomb, but that's got to be on the nose of the trailer because you can't move that. So if you are from, you know, if you're a native New Yorker and you've got a, let's just say you have a half load uh, going to, you know, Long Island, um, and it's a half load of uh, gym equipment hand loaded on the nose of the trailer, that's fine. You leave it there, that's your base freight. And now you start looking and you start playing with that other half of the load. And you may have to go to a warehouse once or twice and get it reworked, number one, for weight, and number two, uh, certainly um, to make sure you can get your drop-offs. Because if you've got uh, something going to Pennsylvania, you want to take that on the way into, into New York. So you just have, there's a strategy. You can't just go wild, and you have to make sure that everything is on route. Now, what I do, if you go off route, your truck is just like a taxi cab. Okay, so if you're going to go off route with this, you got to get paid. And that's how you got to know your numbers. Because remember, we're all accountants, Rico. And if somebody's asking you to go 100 miles north of uh, Interstate 90 or 100 miles north of Interstate 80 to, to pick up freight, you have to do the math. You've got 100 miles up. You've got 100 miles down. Don't say no to it, but just add that 100 miles of what you need, not just your cost, but what you need to make a little bit of money onto onto your trip. And you have to also consider, how is that going to impact my time? And when you're booking these LTL freight, freight loads, you've got to find out how the company where you're loading is for time. Find out from the broker, is there an appointment? How long is it going to take? Be, and you say, be honest, I need to know this. And if they say, well, you know, you go there, you wait in line, you may think twice. Because you have to be honest. Say, listen, I'll, I'll pick it up, but and I'll be there at 7 o'clock. Is it going to be ready? Some brokers encourage you to call the shippers, some forbid. It really depends on the broker you're dealing with. Um, if you're working with a broker that lets you call the shipper, that's even better. And again, on the other end, you've got to make sure you get the freight off. If you ever have a situation, it happens to us all the time because we move LTL freight as well as truckload. Sometimes you get into a place and customer doesn't tell you, you get there and they're closed for summer holidays or they're closed for three days or they're closed for plant shutdown or inventory or whatever. So it's important when you get this load that you know that on the other end, they're going to take it. Yes, there's a lot more work involved, but the benefits are worth the work. It's like Kevin always says about the hard work. This is hard work. Right. This beats the heck out of sitting in a truck stop in the scorching heat complaining to you know, dozens of other drivers how bad it is. You're doing something about right. it, and that's the difference. And you can do it with any commodity, basically, as long as it's compatible. We got uh, Mike that's called in. So if he's got his hand raised, wants to get in and ask us a question. So we're going to pick up Mike and try to get his question answered here. Mike, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, how are you guys doing today? 
Great. Real well, I'm, I'm on Reaper. I'm right on Reaper, and I'm listening to the LTL, you know, thing. It's just how how about your time restraints? If you pick up, let's say, six pallets on the West Coast going to the East Coast, they still want that delivered in five days. Isn't that really – I mean, how do you – how do you work that out to where you can spend the extra time to pick up those other loads? Um, you know, I mean, my broker on the East coast does that for me, but he has a dock and he puts it all together for me. And I just pick it up off his dock, but trying to do it myself. Um, my question is, you know, are you going to have a little bit more time frame on these parcels? Or are they still sticklers about, you know, delivery times? And then you also, they will uh, give you, okay. Give me a little more time. Leaving, Mike. Okay. Like, I say, especially understand. with, you know, with, with reefer, you know, because it's more of a, a perishable commodity than, well, I guess you wouldn't be able to do it maybe with frozen, so it's not as perishable. But uh, that, and then you were talking about, you know, going to a warehouse. Where where would you be able to find, what would you look up as a search for a warehouse where, you know, I guess like a crosstalk or something that would unload some pallets and put things in different orders for you? Because, you know, obviously picking up, you might, uh, might not get it picked up right in the order that you need it. And you were talking about, Fifty or hundred dollars going to a warehouse. Uh, what would you? How would you search for that for a warehouse? Well, you can look for a warehouse. Um, you can look for a warehouse or a trucking company that's got a loading dock. Uh, moving companies are really good because quite often okay. in the middle of the month they're not busy at all. Okay. Okay. So, so that this stuff that you know that they're they're aware of when you call them, it's something they do quite often. It's not going to be like uh, we don't do that or you know. Hadn't heard of it. Well, it's some of your common. Mike, some of your big big ones won't do it because they're more contractual animals. But uh-huh. an awful lot of your smaller ones and your trucking companies, they're glad to do it. That's extra revenue stream. Uh, that fifty or hundred dollars that um, that you give them is fifty or hundred dollars they wouldn't have made had you not come by their door. Their businesses, just like yours and mine, they're there to make money. They've got men and they've got lift trucks and they've got to work. Right. I just didn't know if there'd be like a certain term you would search like a cross stock or, I mean, you know, warehouse is going to bring you up a lot of different search results that may or may not, you know, be into what you're looking for them to do. So I didn't know if there was, you know, maybe a a search term. uh, Yeah, I look for trucking and warehousing and see what I can find. Um, When I'm really stuck, uh, I usually call a guy that has a a towing company, a heavy-duty towing company. And uh-huh. they're great resources because they know everybody. Right. And, you know, I have found uh, towing companies, actually. I use them sometimes on flatbed work uh, because they'll move stuff around. Most big towing companies uh, that have heavy wreckers will have uh, lift trucks. And they have left trucks okay. because they've got to move stuff off the highway. And uh-huh. it's just a great resource. Okay, very well. So yeah, I mean, I run. I used to run New York and back with my reefer, and the rates dropped so low that I had to tell my broker that I, you know, I can't, I can't afford to go out there at this point. So I'm trying to look for a little different business model, and I hadn't really thought of that until this conversation tonight. So I do definitely appreciate you uh, putting in your two cents there, and uh, I might be relooking at a few things and maybe. Well, trying Mike, let me ask you something. Where are you based out of? California. Okay, and where do you like to run to? Uh, wherever I can make money. Like I said, I used to run to New York and back because my broker took care of me. It was COD when I got there. And he did the same thing, but he has a warehouse. And he would put together an LTL freight. So while I sat there and took my 34-hour reset, everything would come to his dock. And then I would just back into his dock while his local guys went and picked everything up. And then he would give me an LTL on the way back. But he did all the work. And uh, okay, you, could, so, you could do that on your own, you know. Right, exactly. So that's what I was trying, you know, I guess I would have to uh, make some business relationships with some different warehouses and stuff. But yeah, it's definitely intrigued the thought the thought process on me today for sure. Well, if you do this, will you do us a favor and will you call back uh, once you get this going and report to Rico and I how you're making out? I'd love to hear uh, how it worked and I, I'd really like to hear success stories. Okay, yeah, like I say, I'm definitely going to look into this. Um, you know, and, and see what, maybe give it a shot on a couple, you know, going to Midwest and back or, you know, somewhere and uh, see what I can pull off. I definitely will keep you guys updated. And listen, if I can help you at all, uh, feel free to call me or email me. It's chuck at traffics.com. 
Uh, you can ask anybody out there. You know, I always return emails, and uh, I'll take phone calls, too. My extension of traffics is 203. You can reach me directly. 203, okay. Traffics, T-R-A-F-I-X, or is there two Fs in there? No, F-F-I-X. F-X-I-X. Okay. Fred, cool. Fred, I-X. Fred, I-X. Okay, perfect. All right, thank well, you. Well, good luck All right, Mike, we appreciate it. Be safe. And and from what I've been noticing, Chuck, uh, especially like right now in the spot market, um, believe it or not, the northeastern and midwest is really killing it right now when it comes to reefers. Uh, reefer freight is uh, it's it's been really great coming out of the midwest and 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 like I say, believe it or not, even the northeast. Uh, as far as uh, low to truck ratios are concerned, it's it's uh, it's really great up up that way. I don't like traveling those uh, lanes or whatever, but it's it's you can probably you can get some pretty decent freight right now out of the Midwest and and up in the uh, up in the northeastern portion of the United States and, and halfway decent rates. Yeah, you know, I think you uh, you got a point there, and I think part of it is what you said the last time I was on. You're talking about a lot of the freight having gone out to for contracts, and I think a lot. I think what you said was true, but I think a lot of that was what we're going to call the low-hanging fruit. Um, that's your dry van freight, which is fairly easy to move, um, and the large companies can, uh, you know, they can scoop that up and put inexperienced drivers behind that because it's just a load of widgets. Um, and there's still some skill getting up and down the road, but it's not the the double or triple skill set that it requires to move produce or move reefer trailers. And all of a sudden, what is left is reefer freight because, first of all, a new reefer is so expensive. They're a fortune. And that's one of the reasons. There's a barrier to entry here. You know, you could go out, Rico, tonight and buy yourself a $5,000 dry van, uh, it won't be brand new, I guarantee you, but you'll be able to pull freight with it. Um, I don't suggest buying a $5,000 reefer. It's not <laughs> going to get you very far. <laughs> but, you know, there's a barrier to entry. A new reefer is expensive. Um, you know, even a used reefer is pretty expensive. But it's the sort of thing, you know, especially if you're running that uh, that Midwest uh, to the uh, northeast, you don't need anything brand new. And even if you bought a good used reefer and you ran it for a while and you and something we're looking at doing is, and we've done it before, is you take an older reefer trailer and you put a brand new unit on it. Right. And right. now I've all of a sudden, seen yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know, those are opportunities. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people doing that, uh, getting rid of the older units. Uh, so you got a trailer that's in pretty good uh, condition, that's, that's still in pretty good condition. Go ahead and put a newer unit on there. Do uh, advise as far as uh, it's when it comes to something like that. Maybe you can. You've got so much experience with the reefers as well. How what would be maybe the life cycle that you would recommend for something like so for for a reefer trailer? You know, I got to tell you, as far as trailers, um, if you have a, like the the trailer itself, if it's looked after, they last for years and years and years. We bought a company eight years ago, um, and they had a bunch of old trailers. But the gentleman, he's now deceased, that was uh, one of the founders, it was a very interesting story. It was a husband and wife that started it, and the wife was a... Uh, business genius and the the husband who was just a farm boy from Hungary, but he had a beautiful set of hands on him and he could fix anything. The sort of character that could pull apart an engine on his on his driveway on a Sunday afternoon and rebuild it. Just one of those characters. And uh, he had these trailers and they were his babies. And I'll tell you what, I bought them eight years ago and they were old then. Some of them were like 95s and 99s. And you know, I still have them, Rico. Now, I don't run them wow. to California, but I still have them. Matter of fact, I'm selling a bunch of other ones, not those ones that are newer, 
uh, a bunch of 2006 um, utilities. Uh, they're good trailers, but there's nothing wrong with them. It's just that a couple of customers that we have, large customers, are you know they're adamant that we update some equipment. So for those jobs, I am putting new trailers, and I use my brand new stuff, of course, for running California. But if you get reefers that haven't been destroyed by salt, uh, somebody that's either looked after them or kept them out of the salt, um, they last for ages. And there's some rumors about reefers uh, that they get heavy. Uh, and the insulation goes. That's not really true, apparently. What goes is the seals around the doors. So quite often, right. there's a, and I, I want to share something I learned last week. I want to share this with everyone. If you take your reefer and you run it for 24 hours and you check the temperature, make sure it's working, shut it off, and see how it holds its temperature, for the next 24 hours being empty and just go in there, check or do, use a fruit door or something uh, and probe it and see what the temperature is like. And that's going to give you an idea. If it loses the, its temperature right away, you've got a problem. And if the trailer has not been hit anywhere, like in the roof or seams or anything, then it's going to be your door seals. Cost you about $600 for new door seals, apparently. So these things last. Um, you know, if you're running California, you do want to have newer stuff. Um, it's just a lot better. But if you're not, um, heck, go buy an old box and, uh, you know, and just put a new re- reefer on it. You know, we have reefers here that, you know, have, um, you know, 15,000 hours. And they're still running. You know, I wouldn't use them just for everything. I use a lot of those old, old guys. That's the advantage of being a little bit bigger. I use some of those old, old guys for running uh, heated freight. And I do an awful lot of that 12 months a year. Um, I haul some uh, some plants, tropical plants, and I haul some uh, equipment that has to be heated. It can't get too hot and it can't get too cold. And, you know, to keep something at 55 degrees Fahrenheit, that's a piece of cake for an old trailer. So it really depends what you're doing with it. If you're hauling ice cream, you better get a new reefer. Because you can't be hauling ice cream with even my old girls. We were just talking about it tonight. Um, You cannot be hauling ice cream with old trailers. But there's certainly a place for them. And as long as they're they're sturdy and they're structurally sound, um, why not? You know, that's an area we're not getting enough money to afford. I know up in Canada, because of the exchange, a brand new reefer is like, you know, you're getting almost $100,000 Canadian when we do the exchange. Wow. Well, wow. what's it running down there? It's got to be uh, 75, right? 80? Right. I was going to say a brand new, maybe a brand new top of the line will probably be pushing right, putting you right in that $70,000, $75,000 ballpark. We got Randy right, that wants to get in and got a comment for us, Chuck. Let's see if we can grab okay. Randy real quick. Uh, Randy, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? What's your name? I mean, oh, I'm sorry. We know your name. But where you, where you calling me from, Randy? <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm in Richmond, Virginia tonight. Um, back in the 90s, we uh, I worked for a company out of Florida, and they specialized in LTL out of Chicago. I mean, we'd, we'd run around on Friday and, and Thursday night and pick up 10 or 15 pickups, and we'd do what Chuck was talking about. We'd stop at a cross dock, unload some of it, and go get more, and we'd stuff it in them trailers and take it to Florida. They would take it off, separate it, and then you'd take 10 or 15 stops to Miami or Jacksonville, you know, and it paid so well we could deadhead back to Chicago. <laughs> there you go. I mean, exactly. you know, now we now come Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning, if you didn't have a load, we'd go back to Chicago. But they did try to book something going back, and we were running reefers, and we hauled anything and everything out of Chicago you could think of. And you know, I got twenty percent of load, and sometimes my checks were over two grand. You know, yep. and that was that was in the nineties. Yeah, uh, I'm not doubting that, but you know, and you can do that today. There's there's enough out there because most people don't want to do the hard work. And yeah. If you if you're willing to do it, my God, why do you want to run? Like, there's a mentality out there with some people. 
All they want to do is drive. And that's fine if you want to be a truck driver and you don't want to be an owner-operator. You certainly don't want to own your own company. Go and get a job and drive. God bless you. We need those people. But on the other hand, if you're an owner-operator and you want to make money and you're complaining that you're not making money, Randy's right. Look at this LTL thing. It it works. You know, he's living proof. Well, we, I, I just went to work for a guy, and his thing is he wants to do two rounds, one from Michigan to Maine and one from Michigan to Syracuse or shorter a week. And I'm trying to convince him that the company that I was pulling for, they load LTL, you know, four to eight stops. It takes you a day and a half to get them off. But the revenue is so much better that you can do one load, not work so hard, and make the same money. Hallelujah. Somebody gets it. Uh, God bless you, man, because <laughs> the, the idea is you work smarter, not harder. Uh, I want yeah. everybody to hear this, okay? The goal is revenue, not miles. You want to run as oh. few miles a year as you possibly can. If you can run 50,000 miles a year and make more money than a guy running 120,000 miles a year, you're going to be a lot better off. Get paid to load. Get paid to unload. Do 10 stops or 15 stops like Randy was saying. Do five stops even, okay, and do less work. Don't run that truck from... um, you know, from Indiana to Maine, and then try to do another Syracuse. Don't be greedy. Try to do one trip to Maine, but load the snot out of that trailer and load the snot out of it coming home, and you'll make more money in the end. And with that attitude, you can't help but be successful. Yeah. I I pulled a couple of your loads there, Chuck, out of Detroit to Holland, and the pay's great, and it's five or six kids of produce. Yep. Uh, Paul, out of, I don't know which office he's in or if he has more offices, but I mean, he's great to work with. And, and you know, it's it's an overnight run. You pick up in the evening. By noon the next day, you're empty, and you're done. And it's they're great loads. And, and they, you know, four, three, four dollars a mile. And, you know, guys don't want to do it because it picks up late at night and delivers the next morning. And, but it's and great. And you know what? That's why... Randy, that's why it pays great, and not everybody wants to do that. Listen, in our own fleet, uh, you know, we've only got a small handful of guys that are night runners. Um, we, you know, as we're all getting older, we don't do as much of that. I, I know that if I get behind the wheel now, I can't drive all night. I used to be able to work all day, drive all night, unload, you know, unload all day and drive again. Uh, those days are over. And most of us that are in this business are getting closer to my age, and they don't do that. Their zirconium rhythm, you know, tells them that they drive when it's light out. So that's why yeah. those pay so much. Me and my brother both drive. Now, he's a daytime driver. He prefers to drive during the day. He will drive all night, but he prefers day. I kind of prefer the nighttime, less traffic, less DOT, less hassle. And, yep. you know, I mean, but I just... You know, you're turning down money when you turn down them kind of loads. You're, you're throwing yeah, money I know. Away. But you know what? No no amount of money is worth having a crash. And if you're not no, able you're... to, you know, if you're not able to do it, then you're best to stay away from it. And it's not for everybody. And that's why it pays more. Um, yeah. You know, it's just like anything else. That's why we're talking about this LTL freight or these partial loads because it's not your, your traditional LTL freight is the stuff that the big guys want, those one-skid orders. Um, you know, this is the right. non-traditional, I call it, the, the partial load business. Um, right. But not everybody wants it because it's a lot of work. It's just like uh, flatbed and, and drop deck work. Nobody, you know, not everybody wants it because I got to tell you, I chained down a load uh, a few weeks ago and uh, I was chaining a load in the warehouse here. And my son came up to me and uh, he looked at me. He's, he's a partner in this company. He's 30 years old. And he looked at me and he shook his head. He said, when is the last time you threw a chain on a load? And I said, I can't remember, but it's been a long time. <laughs> right. It's well, just not easy we, work for anybody. Right. And what we're hauling out of Michigan is LTL. I mean, what well, the freight forwarders, they, they do what 
what uh, the last guy was talking about. They consolidate everything around Lower Michigan and load it to each area on Yelp, and it pays great. You know, the yeah, mileage rate's pretty good, and then you get stop pay, and, you know, it's... But doing it coming back, it's a little more work if you, like you say, find an impartial. Well, you know, I've got it. some... Yes, it is, but it's well worth it. I've got some uh, some guys that work with us, both uh, in, from Canada uh, and American guys that we load. And what they do is they'll run, uh, some of them are produce truckers, and they'll run partial loads going out to California, let's say, and then they run the produce back. Yes, and that's what we were, what we had been doing. I'm pulling it dry now because it switched companies, but we were running... Right. A reefers with the dry freight out and then the, the produce and stuff back and, and try and, you know, and we did great yeah. at it. Yeah, it's it's a great market, you know, and you've got a, uh, you, you can't help but make money on that, especially if you're in a good market. Right now, produce is kind of weird because, you know, it's, you have all this local produce throughout North America. So people are eating locally for a very short period of time, especially where it's cold. Um, yeah. But, you know, the traditional produce areas, the, you know, the Valley and Texas and Florida eventually will kickstart again and California. Hopefully, if they get some water there, we'll kickstart. That's a whole other thing that we're, we're quite concerned in our business. What's going to happen there? Because, you know, they've got, a, they've got a serious drought, you know, up and down the West, especially in Southern California. Yes. But yeah, well, there's, uh, there's an opportunity there, Randy. And I appreciate what you guys, you know, coming on and talking about this stuff because it really helps a lot of us out here. Well, it's our pleasure, and glad we can do that. All right, guys, have a good night. Yes, Take care, be safe, there, Randy. So we're getting close to man to pay. The outages be flying by when you're on with us. Uh, we're getting close to that time of the evening. Uh, you want to go ahead and uh, maybe close us out a little bit and tell us. Uh, if anybody wants to get, if you want to get in contact with you, you give us the contact information and all that stuff. Sure can. Uh, it's Chuck Snow, and it's Chuck at Traffix T R A F F I X dot com. Uh, you can phone me if you want. Number here is eight hundred three eight eight four three five two. My extension is two zero three. Call me if you have some problems or email me. I do answer. Like I said, I answer all emails. Uh, it may take me a day or so sometimes, but I'll get to you and help you any way I can. Uh, it's my opportunity to just give back to a a profession that's given my family and I so much, and it's really an honor to be able to have the opportunity to give back. And I wish everybody out there a safe journey wherever they're going and be successful. God bless. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chuck, before we get out of here, I just want to remind everybody, uh, break safety week is coming up September 6th through the 12th, 2015. So just giving everybody a heads up. Uh, you might want to, if you hadn't had a chance to go and do a little extra maintenance on the truck or whatever, make sure that the brakes you will get a little thin. might be a good time to go ahead and get them replaced. Uh, just giving you everybody a heads up on the CBSA break safety week coming up September 6th through the 12th. Uh, also, just a little bit more housekeeping before we get out of here. We want to remind everybody about Kenny Long and his show, Trucking with Authority, that comes on every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Kenny does a great job with helping anyone that's interested in becoming an owner-operator. He gives out excellent tips and suggestions on how to go ahead and do that. Uh, Kenny's a great proponent of, of doing most of your work yourself instead of paying someone $1,000 to buy your authority. Kenny can point you in the right direction so that you can do it yourself and save some money. So check out Kenny's show, Trucking with Authority, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, as you know, that these are all podcasts, so if you miss a show, you can always go back and listen to the uh, recorded shows, and every show is recorded. And if you don't know how to get to that audio file to get to the old shows, uh, we are the audio road on Blog Talk Radio. If you go to blogtalk.com, you can go type in Audio Road. All of the shows should pop pop up. If not, an uh, easy way to go find it is to go to LessTruck.com. Uh, LessTruck.com has each and every show uh, that is on the Audio Road right there in the archive as well. You can just click on the host uh, of your choice and go back to the archive. Of course, every Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., it's myself, Rachel Lane's podcast. 
And on Fridays, Destination Health, Kim Cochran show every Friday at 4 p.m. Check him out. And also on Sunday, Sunday evenings, we have Mr. Kevin and Mike Beckett, their show, Rolling Toe, everything that has tires and alignment. Uh, these guys are some of the best in the business. Uh, if you have any questions or any problems with your truck and your tires, the way your well, tires are wearing, anything like that, these guys are definitely the go-to guys to uh, make sure that you get your problems corrected properly and that you don't keep chasing the problem that uh, a lot of times you miss it from these other alignment shops and everything that I, that's brought the country. And, of course, we'd be remiss in our duties if we did not give out props and thanks to the entire Let's Truck team we want to thank especially Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to bring the show to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, we'd like to thank you again for tuning in to the Rakes and Lanes podcast with Rico Muhammad and special guest Chuck Stowe. God bless you, everybody. Be safe out there. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise. And as uh, Kevin Rutherford always says, master the journey. And we'll talk to you next week. Good night, everybody. God bless. Good night, Rico. Good night, Chuck. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.